Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, I love that. That means I've met Aria of the Year, which is pretty good. Oh, have you met the great Charlotte Church? I've been to a house, James. What? Britain. An ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. Ladies and gentlemen, goblins and ghouls, welcome to the 13th episode of the General Witchfinders podcast. I'm James in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. And that's unlucky for some. And I'm John Pountney and I'm in South Wales, which is in the south of Wales. But it is lucky because you're here and I'm Ross in Dorchester, <laughs> southern England. And today, or tonight, we are entering the dead of night. It's just dead of night. It's not oh, the it? dead oh, it? Okay. Dead of night. Sure. You take milk and sugar. Milk and sugar, Mr. Craig. Milk and sugar, Mr. Craig. Still there. So it isn't a dream this time. I beg your pardon. Yes, it isn't a dream this time. I must be going out of my mind. You see, everybody in this room is part of my dream. Everybody. Oh. Good Lord, really? Very extraordinary. You're kidding. Not all of us. I can only tell you that when I came into this room, I recognized you all, instantly. Having seen all our photographs in the newspapers, I take it up to Van Sparkle. <laughs> of course, you may have seen me on the sports page. Motor racing's my life. 
sort of teamed up with him, aren't you? Him? My good man, think nothing of it. I'm just about through with that cheap hand anyway. Oh, You'll be sorry for this later, you know. Yes, suppose I will. Dead of Night is a 1945 black and white British anthology horror film made by Ealing Studios, and it was their sole attempt at making a horror movie. It featured the following stories. The Hearse Driver, based on The Bus Conductor by E.F. Benson. The Christmas Party. The Haunted Mirror. The Golfer's Story, based on The Story of the Inexperienced Ghost by H.G. Wells. And The Ventriloquist Stummy. The individual segments were directed by Alberto Cavalcanti, Charles Crichton, Basil Dearden, and Robert Hammer. The film is best remembered for the concluding story, featuring Michael Redgrave as an, and an insane ventriloquist's malevolent dummy. Chef's kiss. Dead of Night is a rare British horror film of the 1940s. Horror films were banned from production in Britain during World War II. It had an influence on subsequent British films in the genre. Both of John Baines' stories were reused uh, for later films, and the Possessed Ventriloquist Dummy episode was adapted into the pilot episode, the long-running CBS radio series Escape. The circular plot of Dead of Night inspired Fred Hoyle's steady-state model of the universe, developed in 1948. Mario Livio, in Brilliant Blunders, cites the impact of a viewing of Dead of Night had on astrophysicists. For example, Fred Hoyle, Fred Hoyle Herman Bondi, and Thomas Gold. Gold asked suddenly, what if the universe is like that? Meaning that the universe could be eternally circling on itself without beginning or end. Unable to dismiss the, this conjecture, they started to think seriously of an unchanging universe. A steady state universe. In the early mm. 2010s, Time Out magazine conducted a poll with several authors, directors and actors and critics who have worked within the horror genre to vote for their top horror films. Dead of Night placed at number 35 on the top 100 list. Director Martin Scorsese placed Dead of Night fifth on his list of the 11 mm. scariest horror films of all time. Writer-director Christopher Smith was inspired by the circular narrative in Dead of Night when making his 2009 film, Triangle. Oh. So there you have it. Melissa George. Yeah, Triangle is one of your favourites, isn't it, John? I could watch that. I could watch that in a circular universe forever. <laughs> well, oh, we didn't realise it's got um, the, the actor out of one of my favourite TV programmes, um, For All Mankind, the guy who plays the uh, one of the astronauts in that is in um, in Triangle as well. So I'm going to go back and watch that again. Interesting. Mm. It's a brilliant film. <laughs> Oh, I made Elle watch it in the cinema. Hell absolutely hated it. I thought it was the best <laughs> film we've ever seen. And then when we went to Snowdonia once, uh, the group of us, for Emma's 30th birthday, it was on TV and I made everyone watch it. It's a good film. I enjoyed that. Shame it's it's not a British, really good film. Uh, but Shame it's not British. <laughs> by God. No, but I'm sure that... Um, Starring um, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Winter Davis. Winter Davis. <laughs> but but they but they did make a triangle TV series in the um in England. They did. They? <laughs> they did yeah, with Kate O'Mara yeah. and Mara. a few other luminaries. <laughs> yes, beautiful, most incredible, un- um, unglamorous 
ferry <laughs> journey of all time. Sunbathing on a, on an overcast prowverse cross channel ferry <laughs> <laughs> on the North Sea. Oh God! Yes, that's right. Oh Jesus, God! So, so John, this is something you've you've wanted us to cover for quite a long time, isn't it? Yes, this is one of my favourites, and I think that there's obvious um, there's obvious technical flaws with parts of it, but I think. In general, it for me, this is Chef's Kiss, and and uh, I love. It's got Googie Withers in, who is one of my favourite. Uh, ac- well, I can only say actor these days. I can't say actress anymore, of course. But um, she is. I will watch anything with her in. I think she's brilliant as this snooty kind of upper class uh, English lady that just wafts around and um, then then nearly gets strangled by her possessed partner. So which, which story is that in? That's the mirror story she's in. Oh, okay, right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So where are we going to start? Are we going to start at the start? Well, the thing is, there, there, the is there is no start or beginning, is there? Which is um, mm. interesting True. and a massive spoiler <laughs> and really, really confusing to my um, my daughter who was watching the, the end of it with me. Um, because I, I had to watch this over um, a couple of nights and it's actually, I don't normally do that, but because of the mm. episodic nature of it, it was it, it kind of lent itself to it. It does help, um, yes. And I, and I'd watched all of them apart from the Ventriloquist dummy story. Up at this point, I thought, oh, this is pretty tame. It's fine. She can I'll just watch this while she's in the room. And, and it was, <laughs> she was like, who's that? Is he real? What's going yeah. on? And yeah. then, then yeah. it's it started getting very strange. You can see her starting to get a little bit yes. uncomfortable at that point. A bit of freaks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just really didn't. And I was trying to explain that it was a time loop at the end. And then it was just like, just. So is it, is yeah. it a dummy like in um, Goosebumps with Jack, with Jack Black? And I said, sort of, and that kind of made her sort of go away from it, but it did get a little bit weird in the end. But may, um, maybe should we go for the different, yes. of the different stories? I think just I like think a light so. yeah. overview I, of them I, I, rather than uh, yeah, forensic in, in, investigation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it starts with very ty- terrifyingly strident music over an image of um, Henry Moore, which I thought was very strange. It's one of Henry Moore's series yeah. that he did on uh, it did on the London Underground, obviously uh, only a few years before this film. So I think 1940 he did those. But a f- um, fun fact to start this week is that Henry Moore went to the same school as my grandfather and was huh. only, um, potentially, only four years older than my grandfather. So they were in school at the same time. Oh, interesting which is a school in Castleford in West Yorkshire. Um, so that's weird that Henry Moore, I didn't know that he did film work and I've never really, I've watched this film umpteen times, never really um, taken that in before. But another name that I did notice, uh, even though I didn't notice Henry Moore's name, and a name I did notice at the start is Douglas Slocum, mm. uh, credited as doing the lighting. Husband to Mrs. Slocum. Um, who is the husband to Mrs. Slocum from um, I, I um, uh, Are You Being Served? Yeah. No, yeah. Douglas Slocum is the um, DOP of the Indiana, first three Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, oh. of course. Yeah. So what an incredible lineage to work on this film. There's quite a few, you know, uh, luminaries. Um, 
Michael Balkan, who is the producer, was a big, big mover and shaker in the British film industry. But I think Douglas Slocum, incredible career. Um, I think in the uh, Last Crusade was his last film. How old would he have been at that point then? He was oh, very he was old, old mm. but he died in like 2012 or something, and he was well over 100, I think. I'll, ha- I'll have to, while you two carry on discussing, I will look up okay. Douglas Slocum and I'll tell you his exact death, death age. What what absolutely fascinated me was when I found out that this was made in 1945, mm. and this was yeah. one of the first films. And as we said in the preamble at the start, the fact that, that you know the, the British government, I suppose it's all part of the propaganda and all part of the war effort, said... No horror films during the war. No horror, yeah. Which is interesting. I, I think it's interesting that someone bothered to make that rule up. You know, who, who thought, well, no. we definitely don't need any horror movies? Lots, there was lots of rules. Um, like the um, Life and Death of Colonel Blimp was banned because mm. um, Churchill said it was um, anti-propaganda. Um, Douglas Slocum was born in 1913 and he died in 2016. So he was wow. 103. Three. That's, That's good innings, sir. Nuts, isn't it? That is a good innings. Yeah. Sorry, James, uh, you were saying interesting. Right. Carry on, James. Yeah, yeah, so I, I just thought, okay, well, this is really, you know, and we've had this a lot so far on General Witchfinders in, in the same way that the stuff from 1971 was, I've enjoyed because it's like, it's a snapshot of like a, a, a time that's gone now. And it mm. does look really alien. And watching this, I thought, wow, it's incredible to see something. And this was made right after the end of World War II. Mm. And mm. I've just put post-World War II vibes mm. on yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I watched this via Amazon. And mm. on their little one-line display, the, the one-line description that they have of the film, it mm. says, this film um, echoed many of the fears or many of the... Um, the, the kind of ideas of post-war Britain. And I thought, oh, interesting, <laughs> does it? Yeah. And I just thought, well, maybe the main thing of kind of like, what is normality and what is reality, mm-hmm. I guess, might be some of it. That whole thing of, of like, is this normal? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the, the main thing that struck me at times, and we'll get onto it in due course, like during the golf one, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just awful. <laughs> but then by the end, I thought, Oh, this is taking a far more interesting twist. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, yes. in 1945, as we heard with Fred Hoyle, the notion of it being like, you know, a plot which is endlessly circular, mm. that's really interesting. Mm. That whole mm. thing of um, dream logic and feeling as if you were trapped in a dream. Mm. I, mm. I mean, you think how popular that idea is. I thought, God, this is one of the mm. first times you ever mm. see that idea. Definitely. So I thought it was definitely, that was the, the big things that kind of struck me from watching it straight when, away. When I was loading the dishwasher after finishing watching this today. <laughs> I was, I was trying to think, what, what, did, what did it make you think of? And it made me think of like 3, 2, 1 or uh, the two Ronnies ah. where it was just like, <laughs> what in as much as I used to like watching those things, but every so often it would just go, go okay, now we're going to have someone singing a song. Now we're going to have, um, and it was just- The tonal shift. Yeah, where it was just yes. like a, a whole, an evening of entertainment, of, a bit of everything for- something for everyone and yes. there was often a bit when, especially as a child watching those programs it was like I'm really enjoying this and I said oh this is the rubbish bit I need to wait yeah. for this to finish because in a minute always with the two Ronnies when they had a singer on and yeah. you'd be like why Why are we diverting from the sketches to yeah. have Lindsay DePaul's new single yeah um, and then suddenly it would go into like the um you know, sort of like the worm has turned where you got like exactly. sort of filmed, which is like a, and I was like, oh, I just wish it was just this. And then it would go to 
like um, little Ronnie on his chair telling a story. And as a kid, because that's what it would always finish with that. Yeah. It would always finish yes, with that. Yes, I've got a story. Wow. Just yeah. yeah. But now I watch them on YouTube because they're my favourite bits. Yes. Yeah. Um, the bit I always go back to is bloody Ronnie Corbett um, playing Pinocchio with laser eyes. That's always oh. the one that I'm just like, <laughs> that was so far out. It cost more than the entire BBC's output for that, 25 years. <laughs> I need to watch it again because I literally haven't seen it for 35 years or something. It's a great print. The music's terrifying and it's a really good print and you're straight into... Mervyn Johns, who is who is basically in every film made in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, drives up to a house, um, and it just goes straight in. A man comes to greet him. He's being quite weird. He's shown into a, a very nice room, like an old-fashioned kind of mock tudory room. He meets uh, a, an array of people like of all different of cows, ages. Yeah. And then a woman starts shouting at him, milk and sugar, Mr. Craig, which I thought was quite weird. But then it's obvious he's having some kind of weird experience. And this is the start of things to In my come. notes, I've just put, he's more bewildered than a mid-90s Liam Gallagher after a <laughs> night out in the West End. Because <laughs> he just kind of walks around, doesn't he? Just kind of like phased. Yes, he doesn't shake hands with anyone. He looks at them all weirdly, but they're all so <laughs> British that they're all like, so nice to meet you. <laughs> and then they offer him tea and he sits down. Basically, he's, he's a bit of a weirdo, isn't he? Um, he made me think of, is it Tom Holland or Tom? Yes. Yeah, I felt like if they remade he's that, very, it could happen. He's very Tom holland So there was a film that was a precursor to this, which I think Mervyn Johns was in as well. Um, which I think was a lot of the same crew and a similar story called The Halfway House, which is set in Wales. And this is a kind of development of those ideas. Um, but I think straight away, you're into a situation where the buzzword is psychoanalysis. Mm. And I think mm. the kind of Freudian stuff yes. is very, very to the fore, isn't it? It's all about dream analysis and all that yep. kind of stuff. Um, which was, at the time, was massively, massively popular. If you think of um, the Hitchcock that I can't remember the name of, where Salvador Dali does the, se- the dream sequence, is it Spellbound or, or one of those? And it, it, it was massive in cinema, that kind of thing. Mm. And then we kind of, we have a little bit of a brief kind of um, social niceties. And then we're straight into the first story, which is the... Um, E.F. Benson one, which is the bus conductor, um, which all I've written for is racing car, lovely suits. <laughs> everyone, in, everyone in this is really well-dressed, and I do wish that fashion had stopped about 1945, because I think men and women both look excellent. In, like Men yeah. have got very big full lapels. The women have got beautifully tailored outfits on in this film. There's nothing to stop you dressing like that, John, if you wanted. I would love to dress like Do that, it. but I, I think it would cost an absolute fortune to yeah, get suits But you like just that, wear, you have know. one suit you just wear all the time, don't you? <laughs> I don't want to wear a dead man's suit that's been, you know, been around for 70 years. So I would, I'd have to get something made. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the first story. So basically, it's someone who um, was having... Uh, so it's, it's quite uh, very similar to the actual the the, the linking story. Someone who's having a premonition of something horrible, which is going to happen. Um, essentially, he dreams that there's a hearse outside his um, 
window. Spittle room. And then the uh, the hearse driver says, uh, come aboard, there's room for one more person. And then later on... Uh, After he's discharged from hospital. hospital. A bus conductor says the same thing to him. He doesn't get on the on the, um, on the the bus. And then... Due to being freaks out. Yeah, and then we uh, cut to... Um, <laughs> Some models from um, from Thomas the Tank Engine and the bus crashes. And he, I I love the model shot. I think it's amazing. The opening scene is a model shot, and then that's a model shot as well, which is really weird. So the guy, but the guy driving the hearse and the guy who's the bus conductor is Miles Mallison, born in eighteen eighty eight. Wow, the same year as the Jack the Ripper murders. Yikes. But also a bit of a, a regular in many, many of the types of films that we watch. Was, that, was that a real crash, a real motor, uh, motor crash that they showed? Yes, I think it's stock footage of mm. a real um, was, stock was pretty car nasty, derby kind of crash, isn't it? So there was one um, bit in that, um, in that story um, mm-hmm. where there was like the noise of like, and like the wind coming through the, the curtains. Which, the sound editing is amazing. Which I thought, oh, this is going to be really good. Mm. And it got my expectations up, maybe a little bit too high, too high for the rest of the stories. Really? Because, because I really liked that. I thought that was really quite unnerving, and 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 it felt very modern. That kind of the, the sound and the, and the feel yeah, of yeah, yeah, going yeah. out to those windows. Um, yeah, so yeah. I enjoyed that. Part the, tick, of the clock ticking, and then it's just like a spotlight on the curtain, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was quite. Um, he surreal. opens the curtains, and then it has been nighttime, and it's daytime. Mm. Then he sees the hearse. And the guy says, room for one more inside, sir. One more. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then that's the line which is repeated later, which puts him off getting in the bus. Mm. And then obviously we mm. see the, the, the brilliant model shot. <laughs> <laughs> the model shot, I think, is more successful than I think what, what alerts you to the model shot is the dreadful cutaway shot of a, of the hands very unconvincingly steering the bus wheel and the yeah. and the foot pressing the brake which yeah. is just a really unnecessary just really badly edited mm. um but it's 4:15 isn't it he, and he thinks oh 4:15 and then when he realizes yes so then straight away so that's a very slight episode isn't it There's yeah. a, it's very yes. very quick yeah, but then we, we come back into the, we come back into the um, the room, and he starts telling everyone that I've seen all of you all of you before. So yes. a woman's going to come into the room, um, oh, and yes. he's basically he's got a, he's got a premonition of like doom, and he's like, if I don't leave this place, something bad's going to happen. I can't remember yeah. the end of my dream, but I dreamt all this, and this, mm. this has all happened in my dream previously. Um, mm. And it is a, a, a strange mish, mishmash of characters. So you've got a young girl, you've got like a, an yeah. old woman, you've got like a your um, suave, yes, yeah. fellow, isn't he? And, yeah. and you've got the old traditional... woman is never um, explained, is she? Who's Which sorry? is quite weird. The old woman is never explained. No, and so she everyone she never else tells is... a story either, does she? No, which is quite odd. And and you never find out why they're there either. You find oh. out why he's there because he's come to. Um, Talk about building an extension on this house or something. Yeah. But you yes, never find why all these people are, are grouped together. I've written the clothes are perfect. And then in inverted commas, I've written unspeakably evil. I can't remember what the context is. <laughs> um, he says something, I'm going to do something, or I'm going to endure something, something unspeakably evil. Unspeakably I seem to remember him saying evil. 
But just the one thing I did with my putting my pretentiousness hat back on for a second, before we get on to story mm. number two, there was one bit yeah. that I, uh, I just made a note of that I really liked is when they're talking about this and when he starts going, oh, all that, you know, I feel like I know that this is all going to happen and this is all kind of predestined and I know exactly what you're all going to do. And one of them says, yeah. maybe none of us exist at all. Ooh. And I, I've I, and I've and I've written down that this reminds me of the Pirandello play, Six Characters in Search of an Author, mm. which is kind oh, of like yeah. uh, you know, from the, so again from sort of like the late eighteen hundreds, and that's when kind of characters become self aware and become yeah, aware yeah, of the fact yeah, that yeah, they yeah. are in a yeah. play and that they are part of yeah. a play. And I thought, oh, yeah. I wonder if if that was yes. that if 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 that was a little bit of a uh, a nod to that in some way shape or form yeah. and also i thought what was remarkable is that as john absolutely correctly says it was my other big note is that really you can see the influence and of psychology uh, you yeah, know on definitely. this 100% and one of the explanations given as to how he might know all of them is they all go oh well all you know you might have seen our picture and then the amazing mm-hmm. thing was is the one character goes i've never had my picture taken Oh yeah, and then she goes, "Oh no, you have once yes. to him." And I thought, "My God, yeah. that's amazing! Yeah. Like, yeah, you yeah, couldn't yeah. say that now. We live it, you know. It's, you know, that's, yeah, well, yeah. Like, that's something that's changed in, you know, CCTV and everything. Yeah, that's a lifetime. It's a very good script. It's very postmodern, and it's really uh, mm. for its age. It fe- it feels a lot fresher the script than. Some than Hellraiser, which we did last time. Yeah, God, God Almighty, yeah. <laughs> the script for Hellraiser was written on a slate in ancient Greece, as far as I could tell. It was so <laughs> awful. Whereas this really, the actual interlocking scenes really fizz along very quickly with some really nice dialogue. Someone says something mm. about subconscious music thingamajigs, which I thought was a really hilarious line. Um, and I just, yeah, it's just really postmodern and quite knowing. Um, and, and I always find films like this interesting when you think, oh, people were doing stuff like this in 1945. That's an awful long time ago to be kind of media literate because it's like, oh, you've seen all of us in the paper, which is quite an interesting, like you say, James, quite an interesting concept. I can see, yeah. And, and, and uh, quite similar to, you know, now with, oh, you've, you've seen me on social media, you know, mm. then it would have been yeah, on yeah, yeah. the bloody court circulars or whatever. But I'm seeing <laughs> the next and the next. Not me personally, of course. I've never been to court. Yes, you have. But um, then, no, I haven't. Yes, you have. The next, <laughs> the next episode, the next episode is the children's party episode, mm-hmm. which oh, starts which is with nuts. a horrible um, sound of children's laughter and a setting <laughs> which made me think a bit of... Um, Mandalay and Rebecca mm. with that kind yes. of the kind of thing that you have in Rebecca where everyone wants them to have this bloody party so they they have to have this party and that was the vibe I got from this it's one of those places where we're going to have to have a children's party yeah. so it's a children's Christmas children. party isn't it with loads of horrible children um, Although we say children in inverted yeah. commas because Adults Jimmy, the yes. main kind of, yeah, 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 the main protect is about 37. Yeah. I've written down there. He's, he's like, they don't, even, <laughs> so they don't even try. And he's basically trying to get the um the young girl into a room so he can have his away with her. He's a paedophile. Yeah. Um, she. So I've looked her up. The lady that plays her, and I haven't taken a bloody name down, she is um, truly scrumptious from... Um, no! Uh, 
what do you bloody call it? Chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang. She's still alive. So someone in this film is still alive. She's now 90. She was 15 when the film was made. So um, that's pretty nuts, isn't it? Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a children's party in a big mansion. They go looking. They do a a story called, uh, not a story, a, a game called Sardines. There is a story by an author, a short story by an author, which has a very, very similar um, opening kind of concept to this, but I can't remember who it is, Mm. but where in a country house, they go and play sardines and the person is in a cupboard with someone else who obviously you find out later on is a ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. This is a similar concept. She goes and hides um something happens with like you say the 37 year old pedophile that's followed her into a cupboard mm. who's dressed as like what is he dressed as peter like pan a piero kind of thing or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well he, he probably is dressed as peter pan um uh symbolically um she then kind of to get to get away from him she goes finds a room where she finds a little boy who is called francis Francis Kent. And again, the sound design in this is really interesting because as they go away from the party, Hmm. um, suddenly the sound of the party stops and it's just silence. And then she hears crying. Then she's in this attic room with this little boy. And then the kind of uh, denouement is that you find out that he is a ghost and he's been murdered by his own sister, which is kind of Mm -hmm. been tripped into the um, dialogue. There's a weird sort of like kissing going on that wasn't there there is weird kissing in that which and it really reminded me of the weird kissing which is in the innocence which is something that we should probably try and watch a bit at some point later on where Mm. deborah carr kisses a little boy in a very strange way and that very much implies paedophilia and is meant to imply paedophilia through possession Mm. Not to give away any of the plot at all, which I have just done. <laughs> but um, yeah, cre- the creepy kissing. And then the end of it, she goes, I'm not frightened. I'm not frightened, uh, which is really weird. And then I'm not frightened. It's uh, just, it's re- again, it's really creepy. And, and I wouldn't call it terrifying, but it is I gotta say heavily that. unsettling. What's you talking about that, John? It gave me goosebumps watching it. I was like, oh, this is, I, I hate this. It was just, I, I felt the way the people were talking and it just felt so, this, that was the story which was, for me, the, the worst one. It felt so dated. Oh, no, 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 the golf. The, the golf. golf. Oh, yeah, I forgot the about golf. the golf one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the golf is a difficult, I didn't watch the golf this time and I'm sure we'll get to the golf. But um, yeah, carry on. <laughs> when she'd finished telling the story, she went, oh, afterwards, I was in a terrible state. That's put me to bed with three hot water bottles. Amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Top-level trauma. Like that. that is I great, isn't it? That, that, that kind of dialogue is difficult, and it can be... I think you either find it amusing or it can be just great. like, oh, these are yeah. people. Mm. Yeah. She says, oh, I'm sure you're here. Mr. Craig is going to hit me savagely. <laughs> she seems quite excited <laughs> by the idea, doesn't she? She's like, it's it's a brilliant script. It could be. I think it could be done well as a play. It, oh, it yeah. felt it felt very um, staged. But the last thing I saw at the theatre was um, Mousetrap. 
So it, oh, it, yes. it gave me yeah. lots of, sort of vibes about that. The, uh, I was about to say, was there received received pronunciation ahoy, isn't yes, there? It was, so, yeah. hello. Yeah. But Louise Jameson's in it now, um, because I saw it on her she? Twitter. It's the same set and everything, so they must have swapped her out. And I thought, oh, it would have been, it's a shame I didn't see her in it. Leela! <laughs> but uh, that, um, watching Horror of Fang Rock really made me um, reconsider my love for Doctor Who. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Just that, <laughs> wow. I thought, that, I thought the last two episodes were terrible, and I thought the way that everyone just gets killed was just like... Killed. What the fuck? Well, maybe you need to go back and watch, all, go and watch all the um, Tom Baker stuff you missed. And, and yeah, yeah. I should. Maybe I should. Yes. But um, you can re-edit that podcast to say that on the end if you want. <laughs> we're on to the haunted mirror now the haunted mirror yes the haunted mirror so googie's jacket straight away and he's in a modern flat so i think straight away you have this jump into kind of modernity and what i mean by modernity is like uh a modern international style of architecture and it's and mm. i think there's a deliberate attempt with this episode to show the present day, which obviously the present day was 1945, because then. But I noticed that because it was like this. This horrible mirror she's bought looks completely out of place in this yeah. person's flat, <laughs> and, it was, uh, and I would have gone, "I don't like that. Take it back." No, supposedly Chippendale mirror. <laughs> I simply would have sent it back. Says Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did think it was interesting that obviously, bearing in mind when they made it, and in the script, there was not a single mention of the war. Oh, no one said during the war yeah, good or point. well yeah. during the war i did yeah. this it was just kind of like that's true that's a very good point james actually yeah. and because when we get on to the dummy bit we're going to see that he says oh a few yeah. years ago i saw him in france and i was like what in nazi occupied france mm-hmm. at that time the, the dummy bit is set in 1938 it says on the oh. um, the, the, written, ha- the good, handwritten good. part is is dated 1938, February 1938, I think. Uh, so fair enough. Fair enough war. then. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, this part I hadn't thought of that, and that's quite interesting. So it's like it's like an alternative universe where the Second World War isn't happening, which is quite strange, actually, isn't it? Um, so this story is very interesting. I do like this a lot, not just because Googie Withers is in it, and she has some really amazing outfits to wear in this one. Um, but she's got a bit of a drip of a boyfriend. Um, they, what's going on? He, you don't find out what he is, but he lives in a, a flat which which is full of box files. Uh, she buys him a mirror, and he starts to see a different room in the mirror from his own room yeah. and guys mm. what vibe did you get from this one which is something that we've previously reviewed and as i watched it i had a big light bulb come on over come on over my head oh, which is about objects yes. or places taking on the impression of a traumatic experience that has happened there oh before. stone tape stone tape stone tape ah. this mirror is obviously a precursor to the mm. stone tape it's taken on the Absolutely, impression yeah. of what's happened in this room. So what you find nice. out from you find out from Googie Withers basically used to visit the antiques dealer, who is a very very weird man with a glass eye, um, who I can't tell if he was a real person or kind of acting within this kind of 
persona, but he's got a very obvious glass eye. Um, she visits this guy, and it's all explained that the mirror was in a room where a murder happened, where a je- jealous, disabled man strangled his wife jealously and then slit his own throat. But the mirror has taken on the impression of that traumatic event. And then that is then projected onto Googie with his boyfriend, husband at this point, and he tries to do the same thing. But that's very, very stone tape, isn't it? That's that's yeah. And to be honest, object taking on. I I can't honestly. I can't remember that that part of it. But I I I, my memory of it was that he he became. Did you even watch it, Ross? I did. Yeah, but (laughs) um, my memory of it was that he he became obsessed of looking into the mirror. Um, but he was frightened. Yeah, uh, he does. Yeah, but but he couldn't see himself in the mirror. Um, and then she wanted uh, to prove to him that it wasn't happening. She held his, his yeah. hand and um That's right. And yeah. they looked into the mirror together and then it wouldn't and, the, and it gets better for a while then, doesn't yeah. it? But then when he, he does it next time he's holding a hand and then he can see her in the mirror. And does that is that when mm-hmm. he tries to kill her at that point? Yes. Okay. She sees herself in the mirror at that point. Mm-hmm. So she can she kind of jumps across, but then obviously the ending of this one is that she smashes it with a candlestick and that breaks the spell over him. But I think it is a big... I think um... I fell asleep on that one. <laughs> Again, that's a, that's a good story, yeah. I like the sound of that one. I might go back and watch it. <laughs> the, I think, yeah, it's the idea of a space or object taking on a memory or a recording of a, a traumatic event, mm. isn't it? And that is, that's what the stone tape deals with. But obviously this does it like 30 years before or something. Something waiting, something evil, monstrously evil. Postpone the wedding, look in the mirror. You're not there. Forces him to look. Old hands. Googie is away. The mirror is back. <laughs> Hang on. Next page. She'd like to... Oh, no, that's the wrong one. For fuck's sake. Antique shop. Chippendale mirror. Bed. Curious. Francis Everton. Stone tape idea. Question mark, question mark. It's quite good to be able to see these stories in a film because a lot of them, then there's not enough there to stretch out to a film. And often I have seen films who no. do try to stretch these out to like yeah. an hour and a half, two hours. And it's, it's is, that, is that film called Hellraiser? Well, yeah, I enjoyed Hellraiser, and I like the way that you're praising that this was a circular loop in this, but then when it happened in um, Hellraiser, you're like, oh, fuck, I hate it when films do this. Oh, it's shit. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, Did I? I can't yeah. remember. All I can remember is the terrible effect where it cuts to a man dressed as a skeleton or something and jumps out of a bonfire. The next one. The Golfer's Story, which was which oh. was, which was cut Is it really? Yeah, so Haunted Mirror then moved yeah. on to the Golfer Story, which was which was cut from the American release of the film, uh, along with the Christmas wow. Party and the Christmas Party. So the precursor to the next story, um, they're chatting again in the room. M- Mervyn Johns is there, or Melvin? I can't remember his bloody name now. He quotes from Hamlet: "There are more things in heaven and earth ah. than I dreamed of in yes. your philosophy." That is also the quote in the. Um, BBC version of uh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, the Emma James mm-hmm. story. And that 
I had to say, and I forgot to say, so I will have to say this, the first story where the man is in bed and he's looking towards the curtains, mm. the BBC version really, really cribs that because Michael Horne mm. is in bed yeah. and he looks across and he sees curtains moving. And I did think that this, again, it's, it's weird how stuff... I don't know if, it, if it's... I don't think it's... it's- cribbed but i think maybe it's just it's there are certain things that will scare people they, you know, the idea that yes. there's something behind curtains in the in, in the your curtain. bedroom yeah 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 yeah. Is, is, yeah is a frightening Fair enough. thing but i don't know if jonathan meads it's not jonathan meads jonathan um Creek. what's his name miller. that directed it miller jonathan miller. miller jonathan miller not jonathan meads that would be really weird if jonathan meads did it um mm. i don't know if jonathan jonathan miller must have seen this and maybe he'd put it in maybe he didn't but mm. There were there mm. were very much uh, I I could see those echoes. It there. reminded me after I watched Manhunter, which is the original Hannibal Lecter. Oh film. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Um, I was uh, I was very scared that someone was going to come through our patio doors, and um, I was saying to my <laughs> mum, "There's someone come, someone trying to get in the doors," and she said, "Well, go down and have a look then." Uh, <laughs> and I had yeah. a, a broadsword which my dad gave me um, from being scared of the dark so i had that of course I, yeah i took that downstairs and i sent our station dog into the lounge first that's a na- that's a natural thing to do please yeah and she didn't <laughs> seem to so i just like hacked away at the curtains for a bit with my broadsword before opening the curtains nice. to take a third and right behind there and there wasn't so and what and what happened to the curtains oh uh, well, i didn't actually cut them because my dad wouldn't give me a, a sharp broadsword he's not insane. oh i see no, right okay <laughs> Just a blunt sword. A blunt broadsword, yeah. Watching way. your footage then, Cleves, I did see an orb uh, rush away from you at one point then. Really? Orbs. Yeah, I did. Yep. Yeah, I did see an orb. But this, this there, there is a lot of move in this house. There is a lot of things being, do move around and funny noises and stuff. Really? Oh, the, uh, the door you moved into a haunted house? The door to this oh. loft we're in. Yeah, it's got a padlock on the outside, which was strange. Why would anyone padlock it from the outside? And oh. it keeps it's too high for the kids to reach, and it keeps yeah. getting locked. And Beck oh. said, "I'm not locking it. Are you locking it?" And I said, "I don't think oh, I man. am, but maybe there I'm subconsciously go. locking it when I when if, I." If we suddenly see a figure looming up behind Ross well, now, the thing is, is like, there is a um, <laughs> a panel which comes off the wall. Into oh, a void behind oh, me. Why, 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 would, why would that be there? You can have this. I've seen an orb already. This is going to be. Yeah. You're going to listen to Ross has moved into the, the Dorset version of the Amateurville Horror. <laughs> That's the one. When I first set this up. Yeah. That, I a, saw the orb again then. I honestly a, saw the orb again. There's a loft there. Yeah. And I put, I put some stuff in there and I was working at my desk and I heard. <laughs> like that and I was like fuck something's fallen over there opened up and nothing's moved in there no way yeah. and the other the other side there's another patch on the other side and if you go go down there yeah um, there's uh, right at the end there's a, a brick missing and I and I can look I looked through there with a torch and it's it goes into a void you moved in this house with all this stuff yeah. happening I looked in, in there and there's a, a, a void like another loft room <laughs> For the house next door, but it's got no like entrance or exit, so it's just like a void. Oh, Christ. Like a, a, There's a, a body in there, Ross. Another room. All that, so another orb. You have moved into a haunted house. Like a very dusty house. house. Yeah. Was this house? Um, was this house a bargain? Yeah, it was actually. 
and they were very, very keen to move. <laughs> right. So anyway, where were we? The golf episode now, is it? Oh man, my my notes literally just just say just one word, <laughs> capital letters. I've just written the word what. <laughs> I was going to say shit. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so weird and so odd. I've watched it before and I've really enjoyed it. And But then I thought this time, I don't know if I can sit through this again. So it's the characters we've spoken about before who were in um, The Lady mm, Vanishers. Yeah. And they were so popular that they brought them back under different names in lots of other different films. And anyone that watches Talking Pictures will realise how many fucking films they brought them back in. So it's Basil Radford mm-hmm. and it's Norton... I can't think of his name now, Norton something. So they were really, they were super popular at the time. I think they were probably on the level of Cannon and Ball, if not more common wise. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> or maybe maybe Hale and Pace. Maybe that's doing them a bit of a disservice. But what is the, what is the golf story about? <laughs> it's funny. It makes me laugh, but I don't like it in this it's film. Just, it's just very strange. They, they both fall in love with the same Girl, the same woman who's way too young for yeah. them. She loves who's the about golf as well. Fifty years younger than them. Yeah, <laughs> and they say, "Well, the only way we can d- decide who's going to um, have her is that uh, we'll play a game of golf. Golf and, uh, off, yeah. And whoever loses, yeah, has to kill off. themselves. And they <laughs> no, no, they don't say kill themselves, do they? They just say you're the winner. The, the winner mm. will claim her hand. Oh, well, mm. when does he kill himself then? When he loses? That's why it's so fucking weird. <laughs> He's just like, that's it. There's no point. One walks into the water until his hat floats, doesn't he, basically? Yeah. And yeah. then dies, and they all seem happy about it. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I was saying, no one can... asks any questions. But then he comes back to haunt. Yeah, as a ghost. The other then, one. Yeah, yeah. and um, he said, well, either if you don't give her up and give up golf, yeah. um, I'll have to haunt you forever. And they, they do a deal yes. and say, like, I will carry on playing golf, but then I will give up the girl. Um, this has to happen before the wedding day. Yeah. And then he forgets how to return back to heaven and he has to do some kind of hand movement because he can't remember how to do it. He's stuck six feet away from her. And there's the implication that uh, they want to have sex on the wedding night, but he can't do it because his friend can't leave him. The guy who's alive said, well, Basil Radford is alive. You know, you can't just keep doing it. And he does some of the hand movements and then he, for some reason, he gets disappears. it right and goes to heaven. Yeah. And then the ghost creepily goes into the room to have All sex right. with the woman. That's so, right. Yeah, and what does he say? I'm going to make a pass, or I'll make a pass. It's something like make a pass. Can I make a pass? Yeah. It's, a golf, like it's a golf joke, isn't it? Oh, it's a golf mm. joke. But this is like my idea of hell. That if like Ross dies, he would then just start haunting me like that, <laughs> and just berating me over my my culinary. Why are you eating that? Don't eat that. <laughs> go, go, get some chips. Go on, get some chips. You. I don't he says, don't chips anymore. Anymore, He's just been swigging from a bottle of Coca-Cola. That's not a Coca-Cola, that's Pepsi Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's money you got. Yeah. <laughs> Champagne lifestyle. Anyway. <laughs> Maximum taste, no sugar. So the I think the golf one in itself is funny. It's a nice script. It's kind of cute and sentimental. It has no place in this film. And that no, is the issue. No, no, no. no. With it's weird. The, what they always do with the bloody amicus films is that obviously mm. were massively influenced by this. There's always the funny one, mm. and the funny one is always shit. And it's always like, oh, for 
fuck's sake, why have we got this? And it's very long as well. It felt, it, it, like, yeah. maybe it felt long. It, it really punctures no. the atmosphere. Because up to this point, the atmosphere is going up, 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 up. And it's really... It the American version of this, they cut the Christmas party and the it's... golf story. And oh, I feel really? like those are my my my, the, my worst two. Mm, I really like the Christmas party, but the golf one is just an and it's just an oddity, isn't it? And I think that it's it's potentially like these characters are really popular. We'll get them in the film. They're not in the main part. We can film we can film for a week with them on location somewhere. Stick them in the film, and people will come and see the film because they're in it. Yeah. It's that kind of commercial idea, which again is is quite a mod. You think of it as being quite a modern idea, but it's actually something that's really, really you know, this is seventy six year old film. Like, yeah. So Basil Radford, the scar on his face is a scar that he got from the trenches. That's to give some context to how oh, old these people okay. are. Yeah. So it's quite interesting, isn't it? And then they're t- yeah, like you say, they're chatting up a woman, and it looks looks about twenty. Yeah. He was in the First World War. <laughs> he had gross teeth. It was awful. Oh, I loved. There's nothing I've enjoyed more in these films we've watched than the the scattergun approach of some of the dentistry in these films. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 percent off your burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25 percent off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We come to the pièce de la résistance. Yeah, the bit I've been waiting for. Michael Redgrave. Every picture you see of this film, every, everyone talks about yeah. it. I, I mentioned this film to my mother-in-law. Was going to watch it, and she was like, "Oh, that was really, it's really terrifying." The 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 dummy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she she remembered. Yeah. Um, Redgrave being in it. Yeah, this is the best way for. Amazing. Um, and it's uh, the still of this is on a Damon Albarn album. Oh, ah, yes. Mm. 
That's the cover of uh, an album called Maryland, which was The Good, The Bad and The Queen, which I was surprised. So is Michael Redgrave is the dummy or is he? Yeah, I was trying to explain that to my, my daughter. So, you thought, so is it real? <laughs> you don't but know. But is he though? You don't no. know. You never find out, do you? No, apart the dummy's from, called Hugo. No. Apart from the scene where he's in the room in the dark on his own. Oh, yeah. So which, yeah, was, yeah. which was the good bit. I like that. And uh, I, I, I felt like I've seen that before. So which made me think maybe I've seen this film before. Because that oh, was really, really familiar to me. Yeah. One of the influences, isn't it, is the Anthony Hopkins film Magic, where mm. he starts getting taken, taken over by his ventriloquist dummy. I don't know if they, you might have caught a bit of that, Ross, maybe. maybe. Yes. I love this. <laughs> and straight away, as soon as I watched it again, I thought this is like putting on a very comfy pair of slippers. I don't wear slippers, but I imagine this is what they're like. Two pairs of socks. <laughs> so as mm. soon as you're in, it's shot differently. The directing and the editing is brilliant. And as soon as you hear the dummy's voice, it's like, yes, this is something I enjoy. Red Grey's makeup is amazing. Like, how much fucking eyeliner and mascara is you wearing at the start? A lot. Yeah, a there, lot. there's some, some great shadows in it as well, especially when, oh, it, when they're the, yeah. in the hospital and in, in the prison. There's some, it's yeah. really, really like German expressionist mm. cinema. Um, he looks like a kind of precursor to Bowie. It, like, mm. he looks like Bowie, like 30 years before Bowie. So you have this bit where... Basically, Redgrave is in this, um, what would you call it? A nightclub? Yeah. Is it a nightclub? Mm-hmm. Cabaret. He's in there. He's Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's doing this kind of shtick with the dummy. An American guy comes in and says, I've heard about this, uh, this ventriloquist. He's also a ventriloquist. I've heard about this other ventriloquist. I've come to check out the act. Um, so you've got this long, quite long scene where um, Redgrave, goes through this amazing range of emotions mm. all through his reactions to the dummy. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how, how Redgrave is reacting to the dummy, how this guy reacts to the dummy. The, the kind of culmination of this is when he slaps the dummy's face, yeah, which is yeah. really quite a shocking scene, and it's really weird. And then you kind of, it, after that, it kind of breaks up a bit, and you've got this scene where the, the American guy comes to talk to Redgrave in his dressing room, hmm. which is beautifully shot, really amazing, contrasty, like grainy, contrasty photography. Yeah, he goes in and the dummy's in his, in his own in the dark and it's talking yeah. to him. And, and talks then... to the American guy while yeah. Michael Redgrave is in the lab. Yeah. Michael Redgrave yeah. comes out. And it's not, it's, the fact that he's spoken to him, is that really... Does the American guy say, how are you doing that? Or yeah. does he just kind of, he does, does he? Yeah, yeah. Cause it's kind of like a lot of the, a lot of this episode is to do with the suspension of disbelief that there are times where Michael Redgrave obviously can't be controlling the dummy. I think that's the only point in it where he, Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause I think when the, when the dummy is in the bar and the ladies, Two ladies come in with a guy, but they're not ladies. I think that's the intimation that you're yeah. led to believe. They, um, he insults the ladies, doesn't he? And he sat next to Michael Redgrave. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but he's really drunk and the, and, and the dummy's sober. So that's... that's an amazing line in that bit, though. Like when they all turn up and see him at the bar and she goes, yeah. oh, is that his dummy? With him, you're like, <laughs> oh, duh. Well, why else do you reckon it is? <laughs> well, obviously. I thought of that. 
Yeah, nurse's son. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the bit in the bathroom set, the bathroom um, dressing room set that really gets me is when the dummy bites him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it pans down and you see a, like a to shot the of the, the bite yeah. mark with yeah. all the blood coming out of it. Um, I, I just I, think I, it's it brilliant. Reminded, it reminds me of when I went to see um, Keith Harris and Orville um, at the pavilion. <laughs> They did Chuckles the Monkey, by the right, This is classic General Witch Finder, where we've gone from high culture to the lowest of culture. Oh, no, I was at an age where I wasn't sure if Orville was real or not. And, 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 I, and I was pretty... And I was, 17. Yeah. 17. Yeah, I think it was because on the TV show, there was a point where um, at the end... He because I was like, well, I think he's doing both of those puppets. I think I think like um, the the guy is all is the same voice as Orville and Cuddles. But then at the end of the end of the show on on TV, he'd be holding Orville, and then Cuddles would come out and start jumping around. And it, and it was obviously someone in a suit. But as a child, it was like, hmm, that's making me question my idea of how this is working because they're both at the, on the screen at the same time, and Cuddles is is like is independent from the. Uh, on uh on Keith. But then <laughs> went to see, Yeah. So I went to see um uh, Orville at, at the pavilion in Bournemouth. Um and there was a bit where and I was like not sure it maybe is a puppet. And then um Keith put, <laughs> Keith Harris put Orville down on the on the on the floor, walked off stage, and then yeah. Orville followed him off. It was obviously remote control, but then I was like, no, it's definitely No way. It's definitely, it's definitely real. <laughs> and I got to go down and stroke him at the front and um, he sort of flapped his wings and swiveled his head around. Was there an aspect of fear to seeing Orville move with his own accord, Cleves? Like he was possessed No, almost. but there was an aspect of fear when I went to see the, went to see the Muppets um, show in the same theatre where... Um, the only puppets in that were the Muppet babies. And the rest of the time, it was people dressed yeah. up in Muppet suits. And there was a point where oh. Animal ran into the audi- into the crowd and um, Dr. Oh. Heath ran up to my mum and my mum screamed blue murder. I said, get him away from me, get him away from me. And that made me really, really scared. So you're talking about full-size humans yeah, dressed Muppets. as the Muppets. Muppets, yeah, running into the audience. That's terrifying. No one wants that, do they? Um, I also had a very uh, life-changing experience there as well where I went to see Heidi High Live in the same theatre and there was a point where <laughs> the, the lady yellow coats with Sylvia and all the other ones ran down the, ran down the, um, the uh, aisle next to me and I had a very strange feeling, got very embarrassed of seeing um, the, the lady <laughs> yellow coats in their very short shorts walking around past me and I was oh, like, gosh. this is making me feel awkward and strange and... Um, Anyway, probably cut that You're out. listening to In the Psychiatrist Chair <laughs> with Ross Cleaver. Yeah, three things that, uh, three three things that went badly wrong in the Bournemouth um, Pavilion. And I'm not sure if I saw the Hello Alone Hello live show. I can't think of that. I got, it's like a, a weird half memory that I did, but maybe I didn't. I can't believe you went to all this stuff. I never got to go to anything like this yeah. when I was a kid. My dad worked there, so I got to, we got to get free tickets. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I think we had to go. We had Russian actors staying in our bed and breakfast, so we had to go and see a play in Russian in Stratford Civic Hall, which had um, a translation through headsets, and the headsets didn't work. The play was about three hours oh. long, uh, bizarrely, I was sat next to Don Henderson of TV fame, ah. 
who was in um, the Paradise Club with Leslie Grantham. And he smelled really strong of, like, um, oil of cloves. This is, like, 1991. I was just like, what? Like, fucking hell. makes me figure going to these things. My dad would put put lots of brute on (laughs) and wear all his gold rings. He's going to go to the theatre. Weird. Russ Abbott's Summer Madhouse as well. I know my dad was on stage with Bella Emberg. And my dad, and there was a big cannon on the Blunder stage. Blonder woman. Yeah. And my dad said, there's going to be a really loud noise in a minute. And I put my fingers in my ears. Yeah. No, no. And then he went, no, there's not. And then the cannon went off and I shat myself. But I think he, he was like... <laughs> Trust, the trust between son and father was lost at that oh, point. And that was it. So we're talking mid eighties, mid eighties Bournemouth just line them up and fucking yeah. smash yeah. them out, didn't it? Yeah. The BBC yeah. like entertainment absolute Goliaths, heavyweights. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. All, all, all was Edmund, after... did, did Edmunds make an appearance? Are we talking as big as Edmunds? Or he probably t- did a, a, a road show. Um, Summertime. Yeah. 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 I, I remember going down and seeing Steve Wright at the uh, Peer Approach. Yeah. No BBC Yeah. The uh Eggs on Legs um Big Breakfast um sort of <laughs> on tour on Bournemouth Beach. No way. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw a name out there now. It's a big name, it's a heavy name. Dave Lee Travis. <laughs> Travis. Was he there? Was Travis there? <laughs> not, not, not that I saw. Oh, oh, maybe a no. little bit too young okay. for, for the too big for, Born, too big for Bournemouth. Yeah. That's well, his, that's too his southern. autobiography. Too Southern. Yeah. <laughs> Who Anything else? outside Who of else? Yorkshire, really, wasn't it? <laughs> no kids. My- it's not about kids, okay? <laughs> no, no, come on. First things first. It's not kids. <laughs> <laughs> And John, John, have you seen? Uh, we've gone so off to track, but I don't care. John, have you seen the the the, uh, the book of, photo- of photographs that Dave Lee Travis did of famous women? Yeah, <laughs> I've said it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would genuinely love a copy of, them of it. Their boobs. Wait for it. Wait <laughs> yeah. for it, Ross. Him and Sandy Toxvig. No. <laughs> that story the other day about Sandy Toxvig wasn't Dave Lee Travis. We mm. just need to point that out. We are not going to reveal who um, touched Sandy Toxwig's boobs, but it wasn't Dave Lee Travis. It was not. Did no. it, was it beeped out or did we not? It was beeped out. It was Sonic boot. Sonic, it was beeped out. Sonic screwdriver out. <laughs> and so was she. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Ross. Okay. Oh, right, so. So that was the last story. So we need to say what No, happened. we haven't finished. We haven't oh. finished. So basically, we have a bit. So then, to try and pull this back together now, we come back into to to go back into Dead of Night. Um, I can't remember where we got to, but Michael Raygrave has gone loopy and he's in a cell, isn't he? The 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 pseudo Freud doctor puts yes. um, Hugo in the cell with him. And Hugo starts kind of humiliating him, which results in Hugo having a bit of a slap and eventually being stamped on on the floor, mm. which is quite a horrifying yeah, scene. Yeah, my daughter didn't yes. like that. No, it's where no. you see Hugo's head all smashed up, and but you hear him going, uh, 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 which is really ah! weird. <laughs> it's not as bad as hearing you make that noise, John. That was very strange. <laughs> 
But then I massively got big shades of the ending of Psycho here, where mm. the mm. end of Psycho, you get this kind of um, quack come in who kind of says, Norman, Norman has gone. Norman is his mother now. It's basically the same kind of wrap up, isn't it? Where yeah. where they explain mm. that they 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 go into the cell. They visit Michael Redgrave. He starts talking with the voice of Hugo, which is exactly what happens at the end of Psycho. Yeah, yeah. and then they they without the fade. amazing skull over the face. Yeah, which is, yeah. but. There is a crossfade where you see Michael Redgrave's face superimposed briefly over the set of of the room that they're all in. Do you? Oh, I didn't Which see I, that. I've never noticed before, yeah. So I don't yeah. know if I'm watching a different print or a better frame rate or whatever these days. Maybe if it's on VHS or something in the past, you wouldn't have noticed. But, but I thought, oh, my God, this is so... This is basically Psycho ripped this off. Hmm. Um, then at the end... It's just a mad montage of the whole film, isn't it? Sped oh, yeah, up. That's the best the bit. The payoff. And it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just nuts. Yeah, yeah. And then you see the dummy, the, the, uh, which is obviously the best part, is the dummy gets up and starts walking. And that, yeah. and, and that is terrifying. Yes. Uh, again, that's the creepiest bit. Which, which was ripped <laughs> off by, by Keith Harris in the Orville uh, um, summer show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's is the best bit. Is Keith Harris dead? He's th- no, he's still going. Uh, well, I, is, I think he's alive. He lives yeah, in the yeah, he's still he? I thought he was well, he dead. used to. I'm not sure if he does still live in the area. Can we try and get him on the show to see if he's ever seen this film? I don't know. But um, yes, that is the best bit when they go through all the different... Um, Keith Harris is dead. Dies, no. He's been dead six years. Yeah. We no can't way. get him on. We can't oh, get him on. Maybe, him I've, maybe I've been seeing his ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really shocked. I'm genuinely shocked by that. I'm normally pretty good on celebrity dead, deaths. James. James is dead. He died wow. in Blackpool in 2015. Oh, man. Yeah. He's born in man. 1947. Was he having sex Keith- with a fan dressed as cuddles? <laughs> Keith Shenton. Yeah. Shenton Harris. <laughs> Orville and Cuddles. I wonder where they are now. Have they been like buried with him? Is it, is it like, it's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They've just been like the crate somewhere, you know, underground. Legless and featherless in the attic. Well, I hope they're not in the same box because he ate that dog. <laughs> a bit of a star. Read your women. Their fine points and Look phobias as photographed by Dave Lee Travis. He's Lee, Lee Travis. With his, with his bow tie undone. I bet it's even more expensive than the um, the Cranky's autobiography, which I want to buy you, James. It's so expensive. Oh, I love it. Right, next next to, next, next, next to uh, his picture of Bonnie Langford. Yeah, crying. <laughs> He's crying. Yeah, they all cried after Dave took their picture. <laughs> We, we, we all know that he's been cancelled now, old John Barrowman, but this is one of my favourite pictures of all time. Hang on, let, let, let oh me God. find it. Barrowman. Keep talking, I'll find it and send it yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, um, this is amazing, this picture. So, it's to try and pull this together, this is the most the most weird review of a film ever, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, the dummy walks, and Mervyn wakes up, in a different room, and find, and you think, what the hell's going on here? No, no, before, Very he, quickly, before he kills the, he kills the um, psychiatrist. He kills the German psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you find him. out, you find 
I think very quickly then you realise that this is going to be like a recurring dream thing. But then it goes into this circular thing. And I think the circular thing is the most terrifying part of this film, mm. where it's yeah. this, just yeah. this repeating nightmare. Um, and that is a horrible idea in itself, that you're stuck in a nightmare that you can never wake yeah. up from. Don't do this podcast. The film for me, if I can find the note where I've written this, <laughs> where it isn't, all I can find is the notes I've written for Hellraiser now. But the film for me is about time, death, <laughs> um, and the repeating aspect. What I found watching it was that it's one of those films that you watch it, and it doesn't happen with all old films, but it happens with this one. For some reason, you're really aware that everyone in it is now probably dead, mm. and it's this Being weird dead. kind yeah. of sliver of reality that it's just them... There's something in the nature of this storyline, which is cinema, is about people just repeating this action ad infinitum, mm. um, and that and and I think that's what this film is about, and that's what what strikes me every time I watch this is that it's just you put it on, you press play, and it's this obviously um, this film predates home home video or or anything mm. like that. But you can see it now in that context where it is just the, the just the echo of living people playing the same thing out over and over and over again, which is really terrifying when you think about it. I wrote this idea down and I sent it to um, Andy Nyman and he just replied back and said, I've got lots of other things I'm busy doing. But I was saying that you could do a film. <laughs> with, stop pestering yeah. me. Yeah. Please stop but pestering you, me, Ross. With, um, with <laughs> streaming, you could do a film where every time you watch it, it's slightly different. Well, yes. they did that, didn't they? With, you um, could do that. Uh, with, with Black Mirror on Netflix, didn't they? Yeah, they did that, that whole kind of choose your own adventure, adventure style. Yeah, but it's a choose your own adventure yeah. one, whereas I feel like you could, they could do it so that you film, you know, 30 every different time you watch or something, it, and every time yeah. you, do, you do it, the, yeah, the yeah, streamer yeah, yeah, yeah. would just serve up a random... Well, yeah. Ross... Ross, that, that's like the, the Cluedo movie, or the, uh, Clue, as it's called in America, where, mm. you know, when you w- actually watch the film for home release now, you do get all the different endings. When it's released in the cinema, you only got one. Okay, so it's slightly mm. different. Yeah. Mm. So, mm. Depending on wh- which one you went to see, you got a totally different ending. Yeah, I think, yeah. What, so, so yeah. there's no new idea. It's like watching um, Gremlins 2 on, on, at the <laughs> cinema and on video. It's, it's, it's slightly different because you get Hulk Hogan at the cinema and you get something else in... in <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So what you both said reminds me of a, a TV Le- Leviathan from 1987 or 88, which I think was called "Write Your Own Story" or "Make with, Your Own with Story." Sylvester McCoy. Yes, with TV. Yes, Sylvester I remember McCoy. this. I was desperate, desperately <laughs> tried to put ideas in onto, onto this on Children's BBC. Yeah. Uh, and now, yes, of course, I, I look back on it now and, and realise. It's probably all fixed. Right, because all of my ideas... Yeah. Well, no, 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 but also it's like, and then aliens turn up, and then I'm thinking about, like, the children's yeah, yeah, BBC yeah, yeah. budget. <laughs> it would have been, like, huge. Yeah. What are the, the characters wore It was never going to happen. And they was going, we could do anything, like, make snow. Yeah. It's like, snow would come down. <laughs> yeah, we'll see so. I thought that was oh, amazing yeah. at the yeah. time. And yeah. what you have just described yeah, kind of reminded me of that kind of open-ended thing, which I don't know what that has got to do with Dead of Night, no. but it really reminded me of that where the story kind of meanders off under its own influence more than anything. Um, 
It probably all was mm. totally fixed. We yeah, need to pitch yeah, the yeah, screen, yeah, yeah. screen Camry Wells or something, a remake of Dead or Night <laughs> for streamers where it's like it's different. There's like 20 different versions of it and people, but well, we don't yeah, tell anyone that. I think that's that. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes. But my, my um, idea that um, Dead of Night is a film about cinema in itself and a, a, a constantly repeating thing is quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good, John. But you didn't yeah, need to make us good. tell okay. you it was a good idea. Just to, to validate yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think, I just thought that's a very good idea. And that's yeah, a, probably yeah. the first time doing this well podcast done, John. I've had a good oh, idea. Thank you, John. Yeah. <laughs> really good, aren't you? Yes, thanks, I am. Thanks for coming. <laughs> so what did do you all think of this film? My original um, review was going to be one, one out of five because oh my I, God. I originally only enjoyed the, the last story and the um and the when it went all surreal at the very end. However, yeah. I've increased that to a two out of, two out of five since talking yeah. to you guys because I enjoyed it a lot more talking, thinking about it. And there's a lot more. Yeah, I think. Yes, my memories were what, of looking what, back. And what did you give Hellraiser Ross? I think it was like twenty seven out of five, wasn't it? No, it's over. I think I gave Hellraiser a three. <laughs> Oh my we're, god. We're, we're different people with different loves. Oh, I gave um, oh, Hellraiser a free. No, I gave Hellraiser a free. So yeah. there's sim- similar scores. Oh, Do you know, can you see how much of a better film this is than Hellraiser, though? I enjoyed Hellraiser more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> James. What did you think? I, 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 once again, there were times, especially during the golf segment, and that I was like, yes. oh man, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about this. But as I said, the more I watched yeah. it, and the more I sat with it, and the more I realized of how advanced it was for the time, mm. um, its cultural mm. significance, the influence that it's gone on to have, mm. and also the sophistication of that ending. Mm. And for the, the spooky bit when the, uh, when the ventriloquist, yeah, when the ventriloquist dummy gets up, Three out of five for me. Three out of five. Well done. Yeah. That's, really, that's a yeah. high score for James. Doesn't give men a thing. Yeah, it is. Free, it is. Apart from no, no, Never no, Trust no. a Rabbit. Yes, it is. There you go. Rabbit. Yeah. Correct. John, what are you going to give it? I'm giving it, I'm giving it, I'm giving it five out of five. Five out of five. There we go. Awesome. The golf segment, I'm giving one out of five. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can skip that. Absolute <laughs> shit. Yeah. I don't know why any horror film ever needs an element of comedy unless it's potentially like the Bride of Frankenstein or something. Because I would rather have a witty and literate script than an obvious attempt at comedy, which always yeah. really spoils the pacing of something. Okay, would we survive yes. this film? Well, wow. it's not a case of survive. It's just a case of, would it, would, will we just keep reliving this yeah, film exactly, over and yeah. over so again? I don't think it was possible is what I would say. Yeah. This. Can you escape this film? I, mm. I don't think you can escape the film. And that's the, that's the interesting thing about this film. When the characters leave the room, do they just stop existing? Do they even exist in the first place? Mm. That's, the, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. Is it just a fever dream that this Mervyn Johns character is just constantly repeating? I, I, I just think may, maybe it, it's just the age of the film because I think all of these ideas are absolutely brilliant and it did feel mm. very, a, a little bit strange watching a film of this of, of this kind of time and the way people were talking and i think tackling some of these subjects it felt mm. it, that was good but for me um mm. 
the first story was all right. And, and there was elements mm-hmm. on that got me excited for it, but it didn't get good again until, until the last story and the, um, the, mm-hmm. the, the final, um, the final sort of like mm-hmm. wrap up of it all. Um, but yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm glad I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I prefer absolutely. films where people are clad in rubber, Ross, and they're stood in like lofts with yes. nails in their heads. Yes, I do. <laughs> Just to give a precursor for things to come, it's a portent of the future. Have you both started reading The Fog yet? Not yet. I, I, I've got it. Oh, I haven't really? got my copy yet. Oh, I've read about 10 pages in. Yeah. So <laughs> our most successful episode out of everything we've done so far <laughs> has been um, the, uh, the James Herbert's The Rat. I think over tw- about 25% of all downloads we've had have been of all the episodes so that's of the total episodes we've done about 20% of all that we've done <laughs> out of 13 episodes have been for the mm. rats so therefore we are going to go back to the 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 um the Herbert universe the Herbert well yeah for the fox yeah. so if anyone wants to um Read along with us. Read along. Yeah. Read along. Get yourself a copy of The Fog by James Herbert Bing. and we will be w- reviewing that hopefully in uh, so next so quite, we should probably say what we're doing next we're going to be doing The Omen next Next, the next episode yes. is going to be The Omen amazing so, amazing. Um, thrilled, thrilled, thrilled thrilled cannot wait <laughs> so two weeks time it's all for you Damien it's all for you <laughs> amazing. in two weeks time we'll be doing The Omen following that we will be doing yes. um we don't normally rev- review, but we will be doing the Earth dies screaming uh, following yes. the animals. Yeah, uh, and then we will be precursors doing to the Mond- Mondasian Cybermen. Yes. So then we will be doing James Herbert's The Fog. So uh, cool. You've got six, six, six weeks or so to finish that book, um, uh, listeners. So um, come back for that. <laughs> Okay, so next we're going to do something horrific, something which we've watched, listened, read, experienced since our last time um, we've been together, uh, which we'd like to share with our listeners. Has anyone got anything I this do. week? I have one thing, and it's not, it's a little bit of a cheat because I haven't seen it yet. But the moment that I saw and read about this film, I just thought, oh, General Witchfinders, this is so absolutely the sweet spot for us. Okay. And I thought, we're going to have to watch it at some point. Now, guys, if you look at your phones, I've just sent it to you. What it is, it's this movie called Sensor. Sensor. Possessor. Yeah, right? Possessor. Yeah, yeah. And like in short, like I said, I, I've, uh, I've, yeah, like I've trimmed it so it's not, because I don't want to read oh, too yeah, much of the plot. But in short, it says, it's all about a woman who is a video censor ju- during the video nasty era. Mm-hmm. So during the 1980s. So she does a lot of work censoring on that. Her sister went missing and is believed murdered. But then while she's like watching video nasties in order to see if they're, they're, you know, they're, they're fit for release, she spots who she believes is her sister in one of the films. Oh, that sounds and like a good idea. And then has to go and... 
I know, right? And so straight away, mm. I thought, oh, this is absolutely in the sweet spot for us. So there's a trailer out there. Okay. Uh, not yet. Um, we, I think we're kind of, kind of close to it. And then I also sent you guys a picture of uh, John Barrowman with the crankies. Yeah. And Panto as well, for your enjoyment. That's also something horrific. Together at last. I've watched, I've watched um, three quarters of my first ever episode of ha- Hammer House of Horrors um, <clears> recently. <throat> Which so, one, Cleves? Um, it was, uh, it's about um, one where a guy tried to drill a hole for his own head. Um, yeah, and then, it, and then he went, to the, uh, he died on the operating um, table shouting, um, leave my soul alone and yeah, then yeah, it's all yeah. about the, the guy who's training to be a mortician um and he keeps yeah. seeing the the number nine everywhere and i was wondering yes. is it, was it, did that inspire inside number nine uh, did they choose that, that potentially number? yes yeah but I haven't it's got to, brilliant i haven't got to the it, end of it yet but um it's yeah. also stars teabag the original teabag mm-hmm. from teabag okay i never watched that's the woman <laughs> You remember Teabag, though, surely. Teabag and T-shirt. Kind of. Come I didn't on, really mate. understand what it was about. No, I didn't. It was a rubbish. <laughs> um, but, um, yes, that one is brilliant. I love that one. When he's, tr- like, tuning the car radio and it keeps saying things yeah. to him, doesn't it? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I've only just picked up on those, some weird... And they keep showing Amazing. the... Um, the uh the weather vane changing and stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it made it. me think of the, the, the later... Jeremy Dyson sort of books had that kind of weird feel to, feel to it, so I'm 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 glad I turned that on there mm. when I when I couldn't sleep. So I'm going to go back and, and stop watching. I some love of those. all of those. Yeah, but they're all on BritBox. Yeah, we've got them on DVD. I think I can't think of anything that I've watched that's horrific. Really, I've watched loads of uh, ghost adventures, but like nothing that of course but it really stands out from. I, I mean. I would like to give a big plug to the for the first season of Help My House is Haunted. Yeah. Uh, with um, <laughs> Sandy Lakdar, the Parisian truth seeker, as she's told, uh, mentioned as in the title sequence, Barry Guy and Chris, who is the medium from America. And it's um it's it's the weirdest program because it's uh, a kind of Los Angeles style medium meets shitty pubs in, like, Basingstoke. Yeah. Wow. And then talks to, talks to women who sound a bit like Jordan about how, like, a ghost has touched their leg or something. <laughs> and I, I just think it's it's just brilliant. I absolutely love it. And then and then they'll have, like, a token, like, historian on talking about roundheads. It's everything that I, that I love, yeah. basically. Fantastic. But very, very low amount of horror or ghosts, to be honest. Almost no horror or ghosts at all, but um, a lot of entertainment. Thank you very much, guys. Um, it's good to speak to you all again, and thank you for listening, everyone. Um, join us next time for the Omen, and um, we'll see you soon. Love, light, and peace. Take care, everyone. Happy day. You have been listening to the General Witchfinders. <laughs>
Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell. You don't have nightmares. please because i can hear myself somewhere so i don't know if you're responding to me it's not a delay it's just that you can hear it go out then come back and then so there's no delay in us talking but you can hear i'm going to turn my um headphones so if i say clap now hang on i'm just ready Ready? (laughs) clap now okay that's fine okay good i'm glad you're happy (laughs) yeah you're you're, um what are they called reflexes are okay thank you what's that it it's looks a like pen. a bifter. It's a pen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Wessex school training partnership. Well. <laughs> Four-colour four pen. <laughs> and it's I the one that I normally make my camera. notes. Well, it's, like, it's like writing things like reading at school. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, this podcast has led us all to um, stop um, smoking the drugs. What? When I was in my corner shop tonight, they're selling lollipops that have cannabis oil in. Really? Wow. Genuine CBD oil in kiddies' lollipops. Can you imagine? (laughs) It's disgusting, isn't it? I'm going to find the list of the rear of the year. Super lard. Rear. I can't believe it's going to be in my search history. (laughs) Van Uten. It was definitely one. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go through them for you. And there's that weird picture. I'm going to read you for... Okay, so Rear of the Year started in 1976. Oh, fuck. Barbara Windsor? Yeah. So they, uh, then they didn't do it again until 1981, so there was a big gap there. <laughs> no rears. Yeah. No rears. No, they uh, couldn't find one. No. Then Felicity Kendall. Yes. 1982. Look at that. Look Susan at that Quattro. image. Quattro. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Legit. Lulu. <laughs> Lulu. Elaine Page. You like cursed image. Oh. I don't know who... Lucy... <laughs> Lucy DePaul. Lucy DePaul. Yeah. yeah. She was a singer. And, and, Michael, and Michael Barrymore in, in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a Dolphin. Oh, she, my God. Stop. 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 Super Lad almost killed the competition off. And then yes. it came no back one could no compete. Marina oh. Ogilvy. Don't know who that is. Ogilvy. Yeah. Ogilvy. Yeah. Then you, you, oh Johnson, my God. Sarah yeah. Ulrika. Yeah. Then yeah. we yeah. went back to 1994. So we came back to a, another dual um, winner. It was Mandy Smith and Richard Fairbrass. And again, Richard Fairbrass. <laughs> <laughs> from right said Fred yeah. Covid deniers yeah. <laughs> right said oh, Fred freaks absolute freaks Again, yeah. they um, tarnished their reputation competition in 1995 oh. um, then wow. Tracy Shaw uh, 1997 Bukara. Miranda Messenger and Gary Barlow 1998 yeah. wow so after this point they, they went for dub- doubles Carol yeah. Smiley and Frank, and Skinner. Frank Skinner yeah. Skinner. Frank Skinner Frank Skinner yeah 
When did Van Uten get it? Uh, nineteen ninety nine. Denise Van Uten yes. and Robbie and, Williams. And and, and oh. hold on, that picture of there's that really weird picture, isn't there? Of it might I don't know if it's in conjunction with Rear of the Year, but of uh, Denise Van Outen and uh, Graham Norton, where he's spraying. Like a salad cream on her ass, <laughs> and it's really awful and disturbing. I'll find that for well, you. Two, two, two it was yeah. Jane Danson and Graham Norton won it. Uh, then we went no. on to Claire Sweeney and John Altman. Good, good looking oh. woman, Claire Sweeney. Yeah. Underrated. Charlotte, 2002, Charlotte Church and Scott Wright. Oh, well, I, what, my, I, assuming that she was over the age of 18, Charlotte Church always gets my vote. Uh, I, I, I love that her. means I've met <gasps> a rear of the year, which is there pretty good. Go. Oh, have you met the great Charlotte Church? <laughs> God, I've been to her house, James. What? <laughs> oh, I, I love Charlotte James, Church. I can literally yeah. drive you to her house if you want. <laughs> oh, I, I genuinely, for five minutes, considered working for a crazy school. Just so I could get within a vicinity. <laughs> She's in. Um, <laughs> sour cream on her ass, James. <laughs> it's uh, it's Laura Ashley's old house. Is it now? Yeah, wow. it's where Laura Ashley lived in oh. the Allen Valley. Um, the house that she lives in now, I'm not going to say where it is in South Wales, but of it course. was owned okay. by Winston Churchill. Is it in South Wales? In wow. South Wales? It's in, it's in <laughs> South Wales, which is in the south of Wales. Yeah. It's the rails. Uh, yeah, Letitia no, Hamilton to... and Rowan Keaton in 2003. Alex Best yeah. and Alid Hayden-Jones. Alex jo- oh, Alid- I thought you were going to say Alid Jones. No. For a minute. <laughs> I'm getting to the point now where there's people I don't know who they are. Uh, yeah. Nell McAndrew and Will Young. Uh, oh, you know no. Nell McAndrew is. Oh, well, she married yeah. um, uh, uh, Barrymore, didn't she? No. no, 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 no. She was she was one of the original real life Lara Crofts. Yeah, when uh, they started yeah, doing yeah, like yeah. having. Uh, was she on Man Oh Man as well? Was she one of the women yeah. on Man Oh Man? Javine Hilton, Don't know, is that right? Javine. I remember Javine. She was on um, X Factor, I think. And Ian Wright in two thousand and six. Wow. Uh, two thousand and seven. Sean Lloyd and Lee Mead. No. I've met Lee Mead. I've met Lee Mead as well. Actually. There we go. Your second and rear of the year. He was in casuality. There you go, guys. Jennifer Ellison. Look. Yeah. Okay. Look at that what image, you us, James. You've... Just you'll see the horror. Of course. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that was an actual photo Why? shoot. This... Oh my god! Um... <laughs> Here we go. Jennifer Ellison and Ryan Thomas. Uh, Rains, Rachel Stevens and Russell Watson. Fiona Bruce and Ricky Watson. Whittle. Carol Vorderman and Anton de Burke in 2011. Of course, Vorderman. Yeah. They've done, it within, they've done it into the last 10 years. Yeah, well, it's, it's gone wow. up to... They didn't hold it in 2020. So, uh, it's no gone. way. Shobanan? I, sorry. Siobhan? No, Siobhan. No. Siobhan. 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 He'd already had it before. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? Snail no, no, Bar- no. Michael, Bar- Michael Barrymore won it. Barrymore, yeah. 
Flavia Flavia yeah, Flavia 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 Ollie Murs, the man whose name rhymes with polymers. Yeah, Ollie Murs. And also, the that, fact that and massive. Um, right. <laughs> That's the other thing that he did. Yeah. People said that there was a terrorist assault in, in, on Oxford Street <laughs> yeah. and everyone started freaking out. <laughs> Kim Marsh and Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe in 2015. Radders. Yeah. Radders. This is the year. Uh, Jennifer. <laughs> Me- Metcalf and Tom Hiddleston in, in 2016. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. He's a good looking man, Hiddleston. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Riley and Idris Elba in 2017. Oh. These people didn't turn up to the ceremony, uh, did they? I don't know. Michelle really. Keegan and Aidan Turner in 2018. Yeah. Amanda Holden and Andy Murray in 2019. And no competition in 2020. That's it. So we're, we're, so we're awaiting this year, 2021. Yeah, if it's going to happen. Mm. Happen again. If, if if rears can indeed be assessed yet again, yes. to me it sounds like this. Yeah, go on. Organizer Tony Edwards Who's... declared that female rears were starting to slim down as more women took to the gym, jogging, and keeping trim in this oh. Olympic year in 2012. 2012. Oh my god! Good grief! Yeah, Good grief! Oh. The only one who's got it's had it twice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and rear of the year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> wow. I feel wow. like I've met Brilliant Carol Vorderman, but I don't think I have. Not yet. It's just a fevered wank dream. Okay. <laughs> Van Uten. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.